I took my sister's passport at 14. I would go into the club and I would have a great ass time. And a lot of salsa clubs actually didn't mind. Didn't mind. They probably minded a lot. (laughs) (laughs) They can lose their license, so they do mind. Welcome to another episode of Gamble's Green Room. I'm your host, Mike Gamble, bringing you the people you need to know with the stories you want to hear. Today, I am joined by my Swedish doe-eyed blonde bombshell dancer friend. She's been in commercials for L'Oreal, Adidas. Uh, she's danced with Major Lazer. She's been uh, the magic assistant on a Broadway show. She moved from Sweden over to New York, made her thing happen. And now she's back in Sweden, still doing the thing. I'm talking about my girl, Miss Ida Nash in the house. What's up, E. Dizzle? Hey, hey, hey. Hey, how you doing, girl? I'm good. Yes. How are you? I'm good. I'm chilling. Representing chilling. a little Sveria for you. You know. Sveria. Yeah. So let's just jump into it. Let's just let's just let's just get the conversation going because we're like bro and sis. We just we have a lot of stories to tell uh, throughout the years. So originally you're from Sweden, but you're from the south of Sweden. Yeah, I'm half Danish too. I was just about to say she's half Danish. You so the funny thing about Swedish and Danish, there's the Muppet character, the Swedish chef. Birdy, birdy, cork, cork, cork. That's actually Danish. That's not Swedish. Swedish you can actually understand. Danish is like. I was gonna ask, I was a little mad here. That's more the Swedish chef than actual Swedish people. So, how did you get into dance? That was a really dumb segue, but it's okay. How did you, <laughs> how did you get into dance in Sweden? Because you're from like the countryside of Sweden, right? Right. I had horses and things, and we did not have dancing in my little town where I'm from. Um, I realized the big like passion I had for it when I heard music and I got to freestyle at family gatherings and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean the first, very first time I saw a dance show, I was probably a younger teenager. I don't remember, maybe 14. Mm-hmm. And then I realized like, this is something really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it started off with my grandmother who's Danish, who taught me, like who brought me to the circus. And when I saw circus, I was like, what's this, this, I want to <laughs> do whatever they're doing. Give me a glitter outfit and, and <laughs> this swing, and I'll just jump up and do it. Like I was so ready for whatever that was. Um, it was nothing I've never seen. Like I've ne- never seen anything like that before. And then I started dancing when I moved to a bit bigger town. It was still a small town, but it's called Engelholm. Mm-hmm. It's near Helsingborg. So there I, I was um, located in a part where I could take the train to other parts of Sweden and Copenhagen and places where there was a lot of dance workshops. And I could now join like I, I took Sonia Taye when I was 17, yeah. 16 and 17, her her. Uh, the hip drop, uh, Lynn school in, in mm-hmm. Mama. And there would be like, oh, I would love the ciphers in Gothenburg. Like I would always go really far and beyond just to make sure that I was like part of whatever that was. Um, that wasn't too familiar in the cities I lived in. So I had to travel quite a bit to join in, you know, but I loved it. I thought it was so worth it to travel really far just to be part of it, you know? Dope. 
What was the kind of music that you were introduced to at family events, seeing that you were in the countryside of Sweden? Um, my dad loves Stevie Wonder, Ray Charles, Aretha Franklin, Gypsy uh, Kings. Okay. Um, I was thinking more Swedish folk music. <laughs> oh, no. He actually loves, like, real music. There nice. wasn't a lot of folk music going on. And we had all those in vinyls and Michael Jackson. All, all the kind of, I actually have to give him thanks, too, because it was part of why I really also enjoyed music as much mm. as I did. That then grew into a passion of dance, right? Nice. Um, yeah, yeah. So there was nothing traditional about my household. My grandfather also comes from the craziest Danish um, heritage. Like, his, his entire thing, he had a... Uh, artist collective so there was many houses and he had people that were artists from all over europe coming there and he was actually it was the biggest um art collective back in the 60s oh, so it okay. was just a lot of madness going on and my dad grew up around this and it was probably a lot of sex drugs rock and roll kind of things <laughs> that is not traditional swede like right. he's not even swedish um, but yeah, so I think it was a non-traditional Swedish home, very non-traditional Swedish home. So, yeah. okay. So for people that don't know about Sweden, uh, I've lived in Sweden for the last 12 years and Swedish right. culture is very, I don't want to say reserved, but it's reserved. <laughs> it's very reserved. <laughs> Things happen in a very formalized manner, a very linear manner versus the Danish, uh, culture. I work in Copenhagen a lot. Danes are a little bit more free, wild, rowdy. Like if you're comparing Norway, Sweden and Denmark, Denmark is like the rowdy uncle or cousin that comes over for Christmas, New Year's and just lights it up. (laughs) (laughs) So do you, so you you say that you had a non-traditional Swedish household. So pretty much you had a Danish household in Sweden. Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) So you can thank your dad for giving you access to. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah not- and my granddad. I mean, they're still a big, like, I think we still have a strong connection within my family to Christiania. Mm-hmm. And we used to have, like, family family gatherings there as um, a kid. He, he, they were all artists, so they all painted and did poetry and stuff. So the family gatherings that were, were in Christiania that I remember of, they were not like, oh, my God, we're doing drugs and shit. But I remember there being huge parties and there probably was drug going on. I just didn't know it as a kid, um, which was good. But OK, yeah. so also so also for those that don't know what Christiana is, it is the free town in Copenhagen. That is like a. <laughs> How can we? <laughs> it is like it's like a hippie commune. I think that's the nicest way to say it. But it's yeah. it's the wee town. It's pretty much the wee town of yeah. Copenhagen, and it's its own free it thing. Is- so, was your granddad's artist uh, community was it based in Christiana, or you just had? events that happened there. He was based where I talked about earlier, this like big collective, which was out in the woods, very close to where I grew up. So he was still based in Sweden, but my aunts and uncles and cousins, they were all, I don't even know. I think that my cousin still has some type of connection to Christiania. I I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you were in Helsingborg, you were in Malmo, you were in Copenhagen, you were in Gothenburg. Do you ever get up to Stockholm? 
I did later on because I needed to actually, I got a summer job at Beaking Nine with like kids entertainments and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I would be on the cruise ships going to Helsinki between Stockholm and Helsinki for summers. And I would love spending time up there. I um, also did my very first audition there just for fun. When I was 16, I went to Stockholm by myself and lived at like my dad's friends or something uh, to audition for uh, bounce. Cause they had some sort of, uh, they wanted to put together a singing group. So at this audition, we also had to dance and sing. And for me, I really just saw it as a fun uh, challenge because I knew that I wanted to get into the audition life and I didn't have that access in a, it, like any other town, mm-hmm. really. So I saw it as a fun thing. So when did you start your actual... Did you start training? Let me not me not make assumptions. Did you actually start training and have a quote unquote formalized education or was it more of the I'm going to take classes here and there? I'm a club a little bit. Right. Um, club part. Speaking of clubbing was a big part of me finding out who I was as a dancer, speaking out that freestyle voice within myself. However, I did start training on a higher level when it came to um i'd say the first year was when i was like 16 i had gone to samhela in gymnasium and then Mm -hmm. i didn't want to i I was like why am i doing this i know i want to become a dancer so i have to like find the best school possible near me and at the time it was okay to travel from ingenholing to halmstad and halmstad is another town nearby um i mean we would travel with 40 45 minute train rides to school and from school um but they had a pretty good uh, gymnasium for dance so we trained I don't know how many hours we had per day or per mm-hmm. week but we definitely had like a lot of dance classes modern ballet jazz some tap partnering work yeah okay yeah how are you clubbing at 16 um you know in Denmark we have the 16 clubbing age so I took what? my sister's passport at 14 I would go into the club and I would have a great ass time and a lot of salsa clubs actually didn't mind didn't mind they probably minded a lot because <laughs> <laughs> they can lose their license so they do mind but I'm thinking like they were not as strict. It was more of a social gathering mm-hmm. you know and it wasn't about the drinking so much so I remember this dude, he was like, are you really 16? And I was like, yes, trying to convince him. But I was really 14. And I, was <laughs> dance club. I was in the dance club by myself in the hip hop room. And my older sister, she would be in the salsa room dancing salsa. She loved that. And I loved hip hop. So I would just freeze up on myself. Yeah, I don't know. We just loved that. And the clubs were open really late. And then by the time it was like 6, 7 a.m., the train started running back to Sweden. And we would go back to Sweden. Or I'd sleep at my cousin's. At 14 years old, she she <laughs> shaking her ass in the club. Okay. That's why that's ways how I found dancing though. That was one of the ways. That's dope. So yeah. back up. You have an older sister. Is she a dancer? No, none of my sisters are dancers. I have three sisters in total, and they do not dance. They don't find it. I mean, my older sister had a period of liking salsa when she moved to Barcelona. Also, she was like into it. Uh, but she doesn't dance no more. And it was only what she do now. She is a Spanish and English teacher for gymnasium. Oh, dope. Here in Sweden. Yeah. Nice. Married to Indian. 
Yeah. Married to what? An Indian guy. So she just had the traditional Indian wedding a few months oh, ago. Oh, dope. The, yeah, you have a very the, non-traditional It has so spirit. many ceremonies. I yeah. wish I could have gone, but, you know, COVID and all COVID. this. COVID. Yeah. A little bit crazy. I'm, I'm, I'm liking, not that I, not that I wouldn't like your family structure, but I'm liking the non-traditional family structure that like, your, your sister is just like, she's like, I'm going to go to Barcelona. I'm going to learn Spanish. I'm going to find my, I'm going to find my husband. He from India. We going, we going to cross continents. What do your little sisters do? Cause they're twins. I know that. Yes, they are twins. Um, they're actually studying right now in Lund, which is the study city of Sweden. It feels like I don't yeah. know, I'm sure there's <laughs> a lot of study places in the world, but that's like the main place where people come to study. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, a, yeah, so they're down there, actually, and they're studying a bunch of stuff that I don't understand, but it's like... <laughs> We, we'll leave it at that. Well, they, they, stu- yeah, they didn't really study. Chemist, chemistry and math and whatever. And when they try to explain it, I really try to understand, but it's so difficult. It yeah. really is. I'm it's like, not creative. Oh. That's why it's very linear. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. speak to me. Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, wait, there's no music. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. Okay. Back to you. So you've been clubbing since the age of 14 at 16, you go to your first audition that's when you go into gymnasium, which is high, which is the equivalent of high school here in Homestead. Right. So you start dancing there. Uh, what happened after? I finished that gymnasium when I was 19. And I think a month after I moved to New York City. For the first time? Yeah. How long were you there? I was there for seven months and mm-hmm. I did study at Broadway Dance Center. Were you part of the which, international dance program there? The Yeah. Nice. What was that like? I liked it. I thought it was very up to yourself how Mm -hmm. well it's going to go and what classes you choose. If you want to be the lazy one to only do a few yoga classes here and there and just like get off the grid. Or if you're trying really hard, you can find the best teachers possible for you and learn whatever styles you feel like you need to develop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for me, that was a really good um, start. And and a way also to get a grasp of what dancing looks like outside of Sweden's borders, right? Mm -hmm. Like we had one vision of what it was like, or Sweden, Copenhagen. I had been to Barcelona a few times too, visiting my sister. Mm -hmm. But other than that, I wanted to see like what the, what the big thing was, right? Like what is Broadway? What is musical theater? What is any of these techniques that I've been learning little bits, bits Mm -hmm. and pieces of? And then also learning new styles. Like there was a bunch of new things in New York. Why not London? I wanted to go to either LA or New York. I don't know why. I think that was because it felt more bigger. Like mm-hmm. it was further away. So it just felt like the bigger USA, thing. USA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we also get so implemented by like all my favorite TV show growing up was like Fresh Prince and Belair. Like it was just, you know, you just wanted to get a sense of what is America? Like, right. what is this culture that we're obsessing over so much? And why are we obsessed of it? Cool. <clears throat> so you're 19 in New York. You were there for seven months and your education was up to you. What what did you concentrate on or what was your because you said you could be lazy if you wanted to. But I know you're not lazy. Yeah, I feel <laughs> like no, me, not not me personally, but I know people who didn't. No, no, I know. <laughs> it was a way of getting a longer 
stay in the States instead mm-hmm. of the tourist visa, they got the student visa. And so they got to stay a little bit longer and then uh-huh. some people used it to the negative, like they took advantage of the program and then they lost CSM. Mm-hmm. So now that program is really hard to get to because then you have to finance it off out of your pocket, which is Ooh. way harder to do at age of 19 than right. I was when I moved there. Right. So like, yeah, I think that's why it's like a negative thing to do okay. to just breeze by. Like it could be something really dope mm-hmm. if you make it. But my majors, my um, I had Breeze Musse as one of my mentors, and mm-hmm. then I had Jamie Jackson, uh, hip hop and contemporary, very lyrical jazz movement, contemporary Breeze, and then I had Jamie, which was a hip hop uh, choreographer, dance teacher, or mm-hmm. is. Um, still teaching there, I believe. Um, yeah, so those two were my mains, but then we also had other styles and it was 12 classes per week that we had to fill out the schedule, 90 minute classes. And then it had to be a few ballet, a few hip hop, a few, yeah, a few jazz. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 12 classes. How many days a week was the program? Um, it's every day. They have classes every day. So you get to partake in seven classes, 12 classes per week. Mm-hmm. And you have to finish those 12 classes within seven days. Oh. And then oh, it wow. keeps going with that. Yeah. Until you're done. Yeah. Seven months. Yeah. Dope. Or I did a six month program, but I was there for seven months. Okay. Now, yeah. now since you was clubbing in Copenhagen at the age of 14, <laughs> now in the US, we do have 18 plus clubs. You do technically yeah, have to be 21 we to go out, but. Were you clubbing in the were you clubbing in New York? I was clubbing in New York. We were so bad. We took the photoshopped version of our printed passports and changed the, the dates. <laughs> Cause we were like, wait, I've been going to clubs in, in Denmark, in Sweden, and I can't get in here. Like it's been many years and I've been welcomed to many places and this is unacceptable to me. So I'm gonna figure out a way, you know? And they would be like, Why don't you just bring your passport? And you're like, Because I can't fly home without it. And if I lose it in a club like that can't be going on you know what okay i don't want to talk about years but what year is this <laughs> 2009 what yeah we didn't scan no passports that's that's totally not do not doable today like, oh good so. they no. would scan it they would even if it's a copy they copy they would scan it so you wouldn't be able to do that today that was a little wow. bit better you was, i know you was... but we were really into it and it was really fun like there's so much culture for dancers to be in new york city at 19 of course you're gonna go out like of course that's <laughs> so much culture so much dance so much music so much passion so many other dancers that you wouldn't find at bdc Right? right. Like a Broadway dancer, mm-hmm. like you would find so much more you'd experience. Yeah. So it was a, it was a great experience because we were so um, into it. I'm <laughs> you little. So <laughs> statute of limitations is over by now. Cause it's 11 years, yeah. 12 years later. So you're good. You're, you're not incriminating yourself. So I also know that at a certain point, was this is this the trip or is it the next trip that you started training with a legend? It was my next trip. It was my next trip. Okay, and hold I, on. Hold yeah. On. I don't want to. Oh, okay, we're going to get to that in a little bit. We're yeah. going to get that a little bit. So in 2009, is uh, what, what part of 2009 were you in New York? Because you're there for seven months. 
Right. So because I, I finished my graduation in June, I think mm-hmm. I left in July and then I was there until February of 2010. Cool. Cause that's actually when we met. February. Oh, I, when I came back. Yeah. 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 So I was teach. So I had just moved to Sweden in September of 2009. So we had just missed each other, Which? but then I started teaching at this one school in uh, this one dance school and they weren't really a street school, a hip hop school whatsoever, but they wanted right. me to teach new stuff. And then I left my studio and I heard some banging music. <laughs> like I was like, who's playing this music in Sweden? And then I opened the door and there's just this bright eyed blonde girl just jamming. I'm like, who are you? She's like, oh my God, who are you? You're at a... And that's when we first met, yeah, but it was literally, yeah. I literally heard the music and I was like, what is happening here? Yeah, yeah. Why do they know about this type of music in Sweden? And you're like, Oh, I just came back from New York. I live in New York. So I'm like, okay, we're going to hang out. We're going to hang out. That's where I found the music from. I'm sure. And then was it that same year? Was it that fall that we did the fashion show where we, I think so. I think so. That's the, so my friends who were, who were doing that fashion show, yeah. they were creating a project through the education that I am doing now. Ah, dope. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. We ended up, uh, was it two house numbers or one house and one hip hop? It was, oh, I don't know. We were in a fashion show in the we middle of the though. city and just freestyled and we were supposed to choreograph. We're like, okay, this is a good frame enough. Let's just jam. <laughs> and people loved us. Cause yeah, we, well, we did have a little house choreo though. Yeah. That we did. I remember it was cute. Yeah. That, yeah. We had the sweaters on at that point. Mm-hmm. I remember, I remember that. Um, yes. okay. So you came back to Sweden, 2010, started yeah. teaching. Yeah. Um, when did you, when did you, is this when you started enrolling in Bellet Academy? When you came- I did. I think that was the time. Yes. I did enroll to Bellet Academy in that probably that summer. And then I studied there, meanwhile, still teaching at night. And I was there for six months. And then I spoke to them and told them, like, I don't think this is for me. Like, I have been in New York and studied there. And I feel like this isn't going at a pace that I would like it to. And I don't Mm -hmm. feel as pushed and inspired as I, you know, used to. I think it got a little bit too um, formal or one-sided for Mm -hmm. me. So uh, the rector, how do you say the principal? Uh, principal. The principal. Yep. The principal at the time, he was telling me, "Why don't you just take six months off and you can jump straight into second grade if you would like, and that way you can figure out like what do you want, you know?" Mm-hmm. And so I went back to New York. <laughs> and- <laughs> Yeah, so that's actually this. I I feel like it was during the summer. Maybe I just taught classes and like got off. It was probably in the spring I went there. Mm. And that summer, spring, whatever, I met Benny Ninja, which Mm. you mentioned earlier, who became a mentor of of my um of my like voguing in general. And then as a dancer too, he was very inspiring and part of a big come up and how did you so for people who don't know who benny ninja is in the uh voguing ballroom scene there is the legendary house of ninja uh with benny ninja and willie ninja um and ida just said that she met and was mentored by benny how did you meet him 
It's so funny. So I end up going to Coney Island for this festival day and there was so much people dancing and it was a lot of vogers. It wasn't a ball fully, but it was sort of like a ball. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of house music like it normally is on the boardwalk and everybody freestyling, but there was a lot of voguing going on. And I was like, what is this? This is so amazing. Like the culture is so rich and everybody's also bearing, being them fiercest selves, just carefree of judgment. Right. It was, mm-hmm. it was a different zone to be in. And <clears throat> I just love the way that dancing made me feel. So I, without a doubt, went into the circles and just danced however I felt dancing. It was a lot of housing and other styles going on. Mm-hmm. And then I saw him and I saw him dance and I was like, whoa, who is this guy? Mm-hmm. Like he can move in ways that I can't explain. Like, I'm like, what is this? And who are you? Like, I really <laughs> and, but the funny thing that happened next is that he asked me, can you, can I take a picture with you? And I was like, with little me, like, I was like, well, little me, do you want to take a picture with me? You know, but he, he saw something in me already then that he was founded up. I don't uh, know where I have this picture, but it was cute and fierce. And we like already interlocked arms and did shit in this photo that I was like already kicked it off right off the bat. And <clears throat> then he asked me, to come to his class, I believe. And I took his class. And that's when, after taking a bunch of his classes for a little bit, um, he told me after one class that he wanted to train me to become a ninja. What? And I was super thrilled. I was like, holy fucking shit. This, this is happening. I'm moving back to New York. Fuck Sweden. Because I need to be here. This is what's up, you know? So I ended up moving back to New York and I applied for a school then called Perry Dance, Capizu uh-huh. Dance Center. And so I went to their open program for international students as well for six months. And for these six months, I trained religiously, religiously for Benny. I think I took four classes a week at minimum. He would teach at BDC too. And so I would jump back and forth and mm-hmm. per week, four classes per week. And then we also had other teachers still teaching like Javi would jump in and sub sometimes. We had Archie, of course. Mm-hmm. Deshaun started a little bit being around and teaching some classes. Um, he was, uh, Deshaun has been active for a very long time, but he hadn't been teaching at um, BDC or, or Perry Dance for a while. And then Laomi started teaching. It was just so many amazing, amazing teachers around who were teaching classes and who I had the opportunity to train for and learn this culture from you were like by ballet academy we yeah what <laughs> that's simply said yeah so okay the time frame so came back to i'm just trying to piece this all together so you came back in the spring of 2010 and then we met and then the next year 2010 2011 yeah. You register for school. You're there for six months. You're like, they were like, take six months off. You went back to the U.S. Is that yeah. when, did you go back to Sweden, then go back to register for Paradance or while you were in New yeah. York? Did you? Okay. No, I had to go back in between and I was still teaching probably for another semester in Sweden and everything is very slow when it comes to applying for schools and applying for 
uh, financial support from the government and everything takes its bit of a time, but I mm-hmm. just knew that this is the right decision for me. So that's when I knew I wasn't going back into the Latin, uh, ballet Academy. Right. I knew that wasn't the right thing for me. Yeah. So I went back and I studied in New York. And then from there on, I think I had another run back in Sweden for another semester. Cause once again, I was applying for, my artist visa and the mm-hmm. artist visa process is a really long, um, hard process, drawn out process, drawn out, super emotionally draining. It's very like a roller coaster. It is financially draining. It is just, it takes so much time and energy. Um, and I don't think that you're allowed to even like, you're not allowed to work during that process. So you can't really be in new york at that time i was gonna say you're not even allowed to be in the country while you're applying right 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 you have to apply for it elsewhere so Mm -hmm. yeah so i was back in sweden for that application and then i moved back and by the all these jumps back and forth and with the six months educations here and there Mm -hmm. i eventually ended up moving there i believe 2014 Mm -hmm. like fully with an artist visa ready to work nice and yeah. is that the trip that we met in Philly? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It was 2014 or 15. And then yeah. by then I also got into like the battle scene and Philly had a good battle scene. So I started um, battling there, some experimental battles and stuff. Yeah. We had, uh, took you around, took you around my, took you around my city, Philadelphia, showed you some of like, my people, showed you some of the neighborhoods. Yeah. You were, yeah, I think you were doing a battle, you and your boyfriend at the time. Yes. Where either he was doing a show or you were doing uh, a battle. I think we did both. I think it was both. We went there yeah. so that he could do a gig. And then there was also a big battle that somebody arranged. And we were both partaking in that battle. Yeah. But you were living in New York at that time. So I remember yeah. you were down for a little bit. Right. Um, so how long did you live in? So is this the trip where you stayed in New York for like a run? Yeah. Until COVID came. Yeah. So five or six about f- four or five years six years yeah six years because i was signed for six years to my agency so that was definitely at least six years maybe i went back 2013 then i don't know yeah. seven, <laughs> seven years straight but it was in total it's been more than that since i've been back and forth but that whole run yeah like six seven years yeah it's been about 12 years total that right, you've been back right. and forth to new york so uh, you mentioned an agency. Which agency were you with? MSA. Are you still with them? No, no. because so, I moved back to Sweden, so they don't have a lot of connection to Sweden. Uh-huh. They don't feel like they can provide anything out here. Um, but I loved being with them. I was with MSA. Yeah. Nice. Um, how did you get hooked up with them? <laughs> Long story short. We got I... time. We got time. <laughs> okay, good. We were, it, we're back at the club. No. <laughs> Are we? Let me think. How did that start? Oh no, we're at an audition for the Nutcracker. Okay. okay. So I was in a theater and I was auditioning for the Nutcracker, which was a hip hop take with classical music. It still mm-hmm. runs. They have a set this year as well. And there was a, an agent named Josh and he was at the theater and he saw me and he took the liberation of like spreading out my resume and headshots to the other agents without my knowledge, which was amazing. Cause then the wow. next day he told me, that I think that night or the next night we went to Cielo's, which was a club where mm-hmm. a lot of dancers go to just practice and jam out. And then he was there 
And then I was like, holy shit, I just got to like step up and do some dance moves right now. I felt the pressure to deliver. Yeah. <laughs> All yeah, eyes yeah. watching. Yeah, like, why not? And then he came up to me afterwards and said, why don't you come tomorrow? We have a showcase. Brian Thomas is showcasing some of his work. Mm -hmm. And so I thought I was just going to a dance show. And then the agent, Josh, he introduced me to a bunch of other agents. And he was like, this is Ida, who I, I showed you resume and headshots of yesterday and blah, blah, blah. And I was shaking their hands, not knowing, wait, what? What, what just happened? <laughs> right? you showed me, you showed them my resume and headshot. That's amazing. And then they said, okay, yeah, great. Why don't you come in for a meeting? We'll meet at MSA's office and we'll talk. And I was like, okay. And by this time I had tried to get with MSA block and clear mm -hmm. maybe like, I don't know how many additions I did because there was like five, 500 to like 800 dancers per yearly audition that they have. Um, so I wasn't signed to any of them. And it was also during the time that I was trying to get my visa, which they don't sign people who don't have visas because you're not allowed to work and right. they can't really help out with that process. So they want finished products mm -hmm. and MSA. I didn't audition for because they had put on their flyer. If you are an O one, which I was visa beholder, do not come <laughs> and literally stated, do not come. So I didn't show up because I was like, they don't want to sign people with arts visas. We have too many complications going on because we're not American. So there's restrictions to how many jobs we're allowed to book by law. Right. So this is another. Well, what's the point thing. of having an artist visa then if you can't be an artist? You can be an artist. But it's very limited, you know, so so it becomes harder for the agents to sign you because then they're like, can we really make this work? Can you really make enough money for me to like support you? Right. And can you, right. So at the meeting, I had a friend also who a few weeks earlier than that went into a meeting and they're like, oh, you're on an artist visa. Well, thanks for coming by. Bye. Oh, <laughs> so I was going to this meeting like I haven't even auditioned. I'm just going to go and have fun and talk to them. So yeah. we'll see what happens. But at this point. You know, I don't know if they know that I have an artist visa. So then she comes in. We have a meeting. Um, at the time, Lucille was there. So I had a meeting with mm -hmm. Lucille. And then she was talking about how that was a real restriction and that they normally don't sign people like me, but that within my case, they would. So I was just blown off my chair. I was like, why you trust me this much? Okay. Then I felt really pressured because then I'm like, damn, I got to prove myself now. Like, with limitations and all, I got to prove myself. And I didn't even know how much of a percentage of jobs I couldn't do until I saw the stack of papers she was holding. She took off like two thirds of them and trashed them. She's like, sorry, those are the jobs you can't do. Now sign here. And I was like, <laughs> I feel no pressure of making this work. Right. I was just, I can't even like, I was so stressed. I was like, Whoa, okay. Well, we gonna make it work. We gonna have fun with this. You know, I don't know where it's going to take me, but I'm grateful for the opportunity. And then I think I signed my first gig within two weeks. I was in this MTV show that we filmed it with a bunch of rappers and artists that were doing some summer jam. Like, uh, what was, what is it called? I don't know. I can't remember what the show was called. Spring but ever break? since I was with them. You what? What's that? Was it spring break? MTV Spring Break? No, it was like, um, it was some type of show they only did then, but it was with Wild and Now. 
So Nick Cannon and a bunch of other people were there, but it wasn't really just Wild and Out crew. It was a bunch of other rappers and artists too, like comedy special central summer central, something like that. I don't know. Okay. Um, but you booked yeah. an MTV job. <laughs> yeah. And then it was full out uh, from there on. And they have helped me so much. Like when I tell you it is such a relief to have a good agent because they really help you with the financial aspect of it. They get to ask them like, Hey, can you do this for like, we would hire her, blah, blah, blah. And then she's like, okay, but for this price and they will up the price, right. They'll make sure that you get paid better. Mm-hmm. And most of the time they would also scratch out things that were contracted things. She's like on page three, do not sign, scratch out these three lines and phrase five, then sign or rephrase it. They would always be like, we own you for five years. And you're like, no, you don't. You own me. Like you own the material from this video, but I am allowed to shoot other commercials. Like they would try to do funny things like that. Sometimes industry. And so if you don't know how to read it, it's a really complex and like really complex English. So you don't even know what it says. You right. just sign off. And all these other dancers that were with other agencies, they normally signed it and gave it back. And I was like sitting there. And when they saw me scratch out, they're like, what are you doing? And I was like, I don't know. My agent told me to do this. And they're like, sorry, can I get back my papers? Like they would like want to rechange things too. Cause their agent would, they would just be like, just sign it. <laughs> <laughs> sign it. And I would be like, no, no, I'm waiting to get a text message. She's reading it. Yeah. So I my contracts, like I would just be super happy to be signed. I was so happy with it. And and for the 10%, which is not even a big amount, I feel like having a personal lawyer with right. the ability to read these complex contracts and the ability to push limits and make sure that even through times when you think, oh my God, these gigs are overlapping and there's no way I can do both of them. My agent would still pull threads and be like, you're going to fly from Las Vegas in the middle of the night into your Broadway rehearsal. So you're going to be tired, but we've worked it out. You know, it's like, Woo! <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So do you know, okay. So you, you didn't do the audition for MSA. You no. went because of this dude, Josh, you got yeah. a meeting with Lucille and MSA. Do you know what made them besides the referral from Josh? Because obviously he was like he was like some prime dude that like they trusted. Do you know why they made the exception for you? Or was it just like, yeah. my name's Ida. They made an exception for me. I'm do you not see me? <laughs> no, I actually know that they were at a show. I was, you know, Ice tea, Coco. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So Coco and I and a few other dancers were in this burlesque show and I had a solo in the show and she was starring in the show. And then we all had characters and we had solos And this show, which a bunch of celebrities came to, which is always like, "Ah, okay, great. Busta Rhymes is to the right of the stage. And like (laughs) "Ah, Sonia Tai is here. No pressure. Um, so MSA went to that show as well. So they had seen me dance. They had seen me on stage performing. Mm. Um, so I, I think that was a big part of why they felt they could mm. do the, the exception. You was being clocked. You didn't even know it. It was like, oh, we going. Yeah. Who's that little blondie there? Where's she? Oh, she's she's Swedish Danish. Does she have which type of visa does she have? Mm, okay, Not we can sure. make it. Yeah, nice. Yeah, maybe. yeah, yeah. That's dope. 
So you booked this MTV job within two weeks and then you were already doing, how did you get, okay. So this burlesque job, talk about this burlesque job. Like how'd you get hooked up with that? Like, um, so at the time, what was that called backstage or something like that? I think backstage or whatever page I was on. It was some page that posted oh, the, about uh, the, ca- the casting site. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Ooh, what the, yeah. what was the name of that? I think it was Backstage. It's another one. Backstage I was on later on, but I liked that one way better. This one was called something else. Yeah. Anyway, Continue. it was one yes. of those <laughs> pages where you pay a fee to become a member for a month and then they post a bunch of auditions and that audition was posted there. And so I really wanted to go to it. I went to all the auditions I could possibly go to that fitted my range. And um, I just went. And I remember getting a call back and he asked me why you, and I just said, because you don't have anyone like me on your team. And I know that you are also, cause these, this choreographer was Kellen Stencil Stencil. Mm-hmm. And he is still in Lion King on Broadway. So mm-hmm. he's still the dance captain of th- that show. And so he wanted a team of girls and it seemed like it's important for him to work with technical dancers that can do technique and also like the formations are very on point, very like theater work. He's mm-hmm. used to that. Right. So I think he, he was looking for core dancers who could really get that, mm-hmm. but still also I knew that they were lacking some type of flair flavor. Like I knew at this time I already had learned a bunch of techniques and got fundamentals, but like, um, from Penny with voguing and a bunch mm. of other people that I trained for. So I, I knew some voguing. I had some hip hop experiences. I had like other things other than jazz. So you I told that, him, like, I think you had that is- street underground flavor. That was that spice. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I had like shaved hair on one side, big, long white hair curled up and like glitter bra. And I was like, because you need me on this team. And he was like, <laughs> <laughs> cause you need and me. And then so, he needed me. And then, so he booked me for that show and that show was, was really fun to do. How long after you were in New York, did you book that job? Ooh, that's a hard question. I think I had my visa for maybe six months or so. Yeah. Mm. How, long like does, how long does a visa last for two years? Three years. Three years. Cool. Yeah. Nice. So are you still, uh, now that you're here with your artist visa, you're signed with MSA, you're booking, you're telling people why you, why they need you. Are you still training with, uh, Benny and the ninjas or are you, are you in the, are you in the ballroom scene at all? Are you, or I was, um, at this time too, I got a job for this entertainment company on weekends. And unfortunately Mm -hmm. a lot of balls were thrown on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. So it was really difficult to be part of a community that was based on the one day that I could make money. Cause also <laughs> as a private beholder, yeah. you are not allowed to work with anything but dancing. So if you don't make it through dancing, you will have to move back to where you came from. Right. So this was like really a thin thread to be on. And as I interpreted it, the, the, the ballroom scene that I grew up around as far as Benny and Archie and whoever that was training me, they mm-hmm. were not active in the ballroom scene at the time either. So I didn't feel the the pressure sure. or the need to, to compete myself. So mm-hmm. I would go to balls as often as I could, but it wouldn't be to compete. And it's also like 
for me, it would be sort of disrespectful because people really put in so much time and effort into all these categorized costumes, right? It's so mm -hmm. much going in. It's so much thought. <clears throat> it's very well thought out. And it's very, it's an art form itself to just show up with that beautiful outfit. Yeah. A lot of people hire uh, costume makers prior to competitions and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I didn't, I didn't have that focus. My focus was to make money and survive yeah. as a dancer. And survive on your artist visa so that you wouldn't get sent back to Sweden. Yeah. And so I trained also as long as I could with Benny. And then he was unfortunately in this train accident that happened mm -hmm. um, a while back, which the train went off the rail and slid like for, I don't know how many miles, but he hurt himself very yeah. badly. So he would, he didn't come back after that yeah. to dancing. Mm. So that also somehow that kind of killed my buzz when it came to the house itself. Cause he was my connection to that. Mm -hmm. And I would go to trainings where I, Javi was there and a bunch of other people were always there at the, the weekly trainings and I would go sometimes, but I don't know. I, I didn't feel as connected to mm -hmm. it as I did when Benny was part of it. He was yeah, like, he was like your dad. He was like your dad of that. He was like, he was like the, he was like your father of the house. Like he was, he was my dance dad for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I felt it was like with a bit of sadness that his dance career was over and that it was the connection I had to mm. it. Yeah. Okay. But I, I had always had the most utterly respect and, and love and passion for the style the history, the mm. background, all of it. I just love it. I, I used to tell Archie, can you please do a class where we just sit down with pen and paper? Can we not dance? Can we just ask you questions? Because I want to learn so much more. You know so much about yeah. this whole era that I wasn't around for. So I want to learn all. And I would learn so much by all these icons. Um, nice. So you just you just always happen to be at the right place at the right time with the right people to set. <laughs> no, for real. So 14 years old, going to the club with your older sister, copying her, which is funny because she was at the club with you in the other room. They'd never like realized like she's right here. <laughs> really? <laughs> so then you're freestyling there. You're going you met son. Did you? OK, let me back up real quick. Did you ever meet Sonia again uh, after taking her class at the hip drop in Malmo now that you're in New York? I did. Oh my God. It was so fun. So I have a connection until 2020 with her, which is hilarious. I'm not very close to her. I only met her at a few classes that she took, but it was years after years, mm -hmm. years after that she taught a workshop. Cause by then she was doing, so you think he can dance mm -hmm. and she was never in New York. So when she did come to Broadway dancer and I took her um, classes there, her workshops, and I said hi afterwards class. And she was like, oh, my God, it's you. And, and I was just very happy that she remembered me. And then afterwards, I did this show with Fish, this uh, big band who mm -hmm. plays, I don't even know, like funkish music, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. But we did a show 2020 on New Year's Eve in Madden, Madison Square Garden. And I was backup dancing for them. And I had, there was a singer, part of the cast that she kept talking about her really professional dancer as a girlfriend. And after a while, I was just like, who, who is this person? And she was like, it's Sonia. And I was like, Sonia, like Taya, that's your girlfriend. That's amazing. Tell her I said hi. And she was just so thrilled. And she then also, she was just like, 
cheering me on so much when I was in that show. So I don't, I don't, I don't know if she knew who I was at the time, but she, my friend said she stood next to Sonia Thai and she had been cheering so much when I went for my bows and the Coco burlesque show. Nice. And I was like, maybe she did know, maybe, I don't know, but she was really thrilled. That's dope. Yeah. So, yeah. See, so again, uh, just, just going back to what I was saying, you just happen to know the right people at the right time being in the right place. So you met Sonia at 14, 15, going to the hip drop. Uh, you then went to I was like 17 by then, I think 17 or something. Okay. But then you're going up to Stockholm, just doing auditions because you're like, this is going to be fun. You then go to New York and you, and like, you just start jamming, you copy copy another passport to get ID (laughs) to get in. Don't get it. Don't get it twisted. I had a fake ID as well when I was younger, even though I never had to use it. Yeah, <laughs> it's past 10 years now we get to say these things out loud oh listen it's it is what it is every almost every child in the u.s has had a fake id at some point because it's- why 21 it's so late like it's so lame by then you got to start thinking about your future and you don't want to be partying i'm happy i did the partying early on in life i'm right. happy i could with a righteous mind say, I don't need to party that much anymore. Cause my life is a party and my job was to party. So I didn't need to go, but it was fun to do it when I was younger, when I had the time and opportunity on the weekends, when things weren't as serious as they are. When but we that's get the older. thing, the more experiences you have, the more you grow and you learn. So like, I don't understand the 1821 thing either. Cause at 18, you're legally an adult in the U S you get to vote, you get to buy cigarettes, you get to buy blah, 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 but you have to be mm-hmm. 21 to go out. And I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. And then previous before that, you, I got my driver's license at 16. So 16, right, right, 18, right, 21, right. what, how, how are you figuring this stuff out? So luckily for me, I was able to have all of my experiences before the time I was 25. And then yeah. after that, I was like, all right, cool. I know where I am. I know what I'm doing. I know where I want to go. I know where I want to be. As you said, my life is a party. Everybody, everybody who knows me knows I'm a workaholic professional socialite. Like yeah, you are, that is part, <laughs> that is part of me, but I won't, I don't think if I, if I waited until, well, I didn't start drinking until I got to university. I don't think drinking was that big part for me. No. Like we just wanted to go, and get Clubbing. in and dance and experience it. So I don't, we, there was many times that we wouldn't even drink. Like all these clubs, they hated dancers. They hated us because, because we, we were like, pay. we wouldn't drink anything. Water. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, Oh, please. Like, please. Yes. We were always thirsty for water. We didn't want alcohol. Sometimes no. it was just fun to feel the vibe and you're dancing and you're like intellectually connecting with other human beings who like the art form you like. So it's, it's a different type of click, you know? You know, essentially now that, now that I go back into my childhood, I started, I started dancing at raves at like 16, 17. So I wasn't too far off from you, but I was able to, like, I didn't need a fake ID. Somehow I just went in, but at raves during the nineties, it was like, there were drugs everywhere, but I was always the lone person on the dance floor for four or five hours, just sweating it out and just drinking water. Just like, I didn't need the, my, my drug was the euphoria of dance. Yeah. And it still is yeah. that way. Even when we go yeah. out and jam now, even if we go out to like someplace in Sweden where a good DJ's playing, <clears throat> uh, that, <laughs> that once, once Tell you me get, where to go, like, it's not happening. <laughs> but once, once that, once that euphoria, once that zone takes over you, there's no, like, there's no time for drinking. There's no, it's just, can I get a pitcher of water? I don't even want a glass of water. Can I get a pitcher of water so I don't have to bother you again? 
Yeah. 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 And no ice. Like it, no. it gives me one sip if there's ice, please, as possible, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, they didn't like us in New York. They probably still don't like dance crowds because we're just not, no. we don't make the club money. We barely make it go around. We're the ones who will show up early to get a free entry. Like, <laughs> Where's the lie? Because $20 ain't the shit, boo. Like, I, that $20 is my gas no. money or my, my, my taxi home later. It's my pizza at the end of the night when I'm done. Yeah. 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 No. And it is not for popping champagne bottles by the service where you can buy like a table. That would never happen. Imagine that would never happen. No, unless it's, it's unless jam packed with people though, but nobody's interested in that. No. Yeah. Cause the only thing we want to do, we want to know who's DJing tonight. We want to know what the vibe is. We want to know what the, yeah. Is it hip hop? Is it house? Is it R and B? Like, what's the vibe? Because if yeah. it ain't worth my time, I'm not going. No. Wait, you want me to dress up now to get sweaty on the dance? No, 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 no. Wait, I need to bring my sneakers. I have a t-shirt change in my backpack. I'm not checking my backpack because I have my towel. I got my water bottle. I got my t-shirt. I got another pair Nothing of shorts in case I'm wearing though. jeans. Yeah, no. Even we even had our baby powder if we were housing. So we oh could, yeah, yeah. Like, listen, baby powder <laughs> necessary. It was so funny. Like the first time I realized that there was a club scene for the sweaty messers that we are, you're <laughs> like, wait, what? There's a place for us here? Like, what the fuck? There's good music. You see a random dude in gray sweatpants in a full-on throttle on the floor because yeah. he's in this little stretch mode at the time. And you're like, okay, like on the floor stretching. It's still like loud music pumping, smoke flowing, like the the smoke that you have indoors. I'm, yeah, I'm talking. the smoke machine. Smoke yeah. machines the blinking lights and then you see it as if you're in a dance studio it's so weird and it's so amazing at the same time and then people have that extra shirt extra layer because you get so sweaty and then maybe a third one to go home in because you drenched you have two wet ones so now you have a third we had our dance kit and the funny thing is the the club it was our dance studio like that was the thing so people had to stretch because we were going off all night like we didn't have time to yeah that that was like it like stretching, warm up stretching for or like before leaving if it's cold outside you have to take care of your body it's still like a profession and, and seriousness Athlete, yeah. athleticism going on so then tell me about this magic show that you were part of the magic show is called The Illusionists, and they bring together a bunch of um, magicians from, it wasn't just America, we had uh, one of the best card magicians, I don't even know if that's the right terminology, but card magician from South Korea, mm-hmm. and so we had a bunch of different um, headliners, and then we would be part of the show, like pop out of a bird's cage or I was the fire girl. So I had responsibility of this big torch and I would like turn this guy on fire and his entire cage would then go down and kill him supposedly. And the shock factor of the whole thing is that he wasn't there when the curtains came up and things like that. And um, it was funny working in a, in a show like that because there's so much technicality that we rely on. Mm -hmm. Like there was this box and we danced around underneath this big ass glass box and the big reveal, this was the intro number. And we're oh. all just like da, 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 pointing at them. And there was no reveal. They were supposed to pop up all seven of them, like, doom, 
inside of the, the glass box hanging mm-hmm. up, up above our heads. And this one show, it just wouldn't. I think that happened more than one show, actually. But we would be like, ta-da, empty box. And then you would have to like, just keep dancing. <laughs> <laughs> just pretend like that didn't happen, right? Because like, what else are you supposed to do? Right. The show must go on. There was a lot of times when it was just like, we're just like, oh, why is this not working? How long did you do that show for? It was a few months. We had a little tour in America and then it was like the holiday season through Christmas and New Year's Mm -hmm. Eve. And that time, I can't remember exactly for how long. Yeah. And that was the last one you did before COVID. Yeah. When it comes to Broadway show. But I mean, the one that we did in Madison Square Garden had 25,000 people live. So it was a different time then. But yeah, yeah. you performed at Madison Square Garden. Not jealous. That's cool. Yeah. Oh, the floor was like bouncing as we came down to get our in-ears because I had to sing too. I'm not like a major singer. I don't sing a lot, but they were just telling us like, y'all have to sing there was a lot of <laughs> people and in the beginning i was just like oh my god i can't believe i saw it was so funny because at the rehearsals for this gig i saw myself walk into the studio and there i was like one minute late and they were all like la 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 with like the 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 sheet the board yeah. and the pianist just like huh like telling them where all to go. And I'm just like, no, this is not my rehearsal. So I closed the door and then I'm like, wait, it's my rehearsal. That was like our first (laughs) rehearsal. And I was like, I can't believe this is my rehearsal. Like, what am I doing here? Nobody told me I needed to sing. And then I just go and sit down and open my book and pretend like I know what the fuck I'm doing, but I don't. (laughs) And then eventually I'm thinking to myself, I have to email Rebecca, like, or whoever in my agency, I have to email them. I can't be here doing this show. Like, I'm not a singer. What is happening? Like, why did she put me in this show? They forgot to cross out line three in paragraph five for your contract. (laughs) She didn't read it this time. No, just kidding. She did. did. And then our choreographer who also choreographed Hamilton, Mm -hmm. the Broadway show, he choreographed this piece. And then he was just telling us all, don't be shy. It's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. You will fit in. You will know your part. Some of you are main dancers and you will be the core dancer. So you will be in every single number doing all the choreography throughout the whole show. And then we have the main singers and then everything in between. Mm-hmm. So we were just a broad, broadly scaled, you know, and then even the dance, even the singers, they had to dance and they were like, what? Like that was their first time dancing. So it was so funny when we did this, um, a little bit of like the marching, I don't know where it comes from. This is thing that I've seen on YouTube when people march through each other and they merge and it just, it looks like they're about to collide and crash, but they don't. Do you mm-hmm. know what I'm talking about? Nope. Okay, it's almost like two armies just ding, 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 walking through each other. Yeah. Things like that, but in like a very complex pattern and we okay. all wear different colors and stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, I asked him, I was like, what, what do you feel like when you're doing this dance thing, um, the singer? And he mm-hmm. was like, I just keep thinking, I need to survive. I need to survive. Survival. survival. Like, he's <laughs> like He was like, I can't. Like, it's so hard. I don't even know what's going on most of the time. And I'm so stressed. And I was like, okay, well, then I'm not the only one feeling like I'm a little bit head over waters. Like, But it was really good. At the end of it all, we pulled it all off and we were all proud of ourselves. And we got 25,000 people watching at Madison Square Garden. Obviously, it was something 
like spectacular. <laughs> it was. Unfortunately, there was technical difficulties as well. <laughs> per usual. It's it's not a show if there's not a technical difficulty. <laughs> no. It was so funny. We did the first part of the show and we were supposed to all dance and then fall asleep on stage. So we're all like bunch of people laying around on these things that we could push around on wheels, different level stages. Mm-hmm. And we felt like we fell asleep and the music's supposed to go right on. And we're just hearing in our in-ears, they're like, Trey is stuck up there. He's the main singer. He's stuck on a hanging platform in a live show of 25,000 people on New Year's Eve in Madison Square Garden. We're just hearing them panicking, talking like, what are we supposed to do now? Blah, 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 blah. It was so frantic and when i tell you it was so funny that you know you have entrances and exits yeah for each number so they would in the middle of the ending of a performance during the live show they would tell us exit through your next entrance don't exit where you're supposed to exit you see people running towards the other end of the stage just like (laughs) (laughs) we didn't know how to solve it we just have to fix that shit we're like okay so yeah and the, the other the, the other layer to this is what people don't realize. So when uh, performers perform with on a live stage in an arena like that, Edith keeps saying in-ears. They are these in-ear monitors like headphones. Right. But you either hear you either hear the backing track, you either hear the orchestra, you hear something, but then sometimes it's the same frequency as the stage text. Try performing either a choreography or singing or singing and choreography with somebody talking in your ear. You know what? Try sitting at your computer and typing out a document while someone is yelling like a children's TV show alphabet in your ears, like whatever it is, something that's completely opposite of what you're doing. That is what it's like to have in ears um, in, but you have to be on point and filter out all of this information to still sit there and go, and I'm doing my job well. This is a great show, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I hate in ears. I, I try and perform with them as much as possible, without yeah. them as much as possible. Yeah. I just can't. I, I can't. It's- it helps us at this time. It was, thank God, for, for technique because... Mm-hmm. I'm a soprano, so they put me with soprano. So all I could hear was their, their, um, because we had so many different things going on in the music. So when people started going lower and you're like a little bit insecure when it comes to the singing, but Mm -hmm. you're super focused and dancing full out, then it was much easier for me to hear only the sopranos in my ears. Yeah. So they were all my crew, you know, and then um, we had also Carmen, who was the head of director, like the director, musical director. Mm-hmm. So she was the one who was telling us, like, Trey's stuck up there. You're going to have to keep going. <laughs> okay. Like yeah. So, so then 2020 happens and Corona happens. And we all know there is no artist support system in the U.S. whatsoever. How did you handle that? I don't know if I did. No, but I am happy. <laughs> I went to great Sweden. answer. <laughs> it's still going on. Honestly, it's not over. And as far as I can see, there's not of not a lot of opportunity to be a dancer here, even without Corona. When it mm. comes to Sweden, I think there's very few artists who can make it as a full-time dancer here that's also part reasons of why i left in the first place like i felt like there wasn't enough work here as dancers Mm -hmm. that it just made more sense to live in the states because i knew that was a lot of work there Mm -hmm. so that was one of the reasons i left in the first first place and then later on having a pandemic to lid 
like to put another lid on top of our industry. It's it's been really tough, and um, I think it gets a little bit watered down to what we can achieve at this point mm-hmm. as artists. Did you feel did you feel pressure to move back from the states to Sweden because of Corona? Actually, it's really funny. I actually didn't know that I was moving when I left. I left with, I can't even, I think I have one hoodie in my book bag, one hoodie, <laughs> one pair of pants. I, so this, this is the, this is the whole, <laughs> this is what happened. I bought a bunch of food. People were talking about quarantine. What the fuck's quarantine? Why are we <laughs> sitting at home? People just started talking about it. It was the 16th of March and I went out and I bought groceries and food for like $200 and I just stacked up the fridge and the freezer. And then the next morning I had this gut feeling saying you're going to Sweden today. And I was like, wait, why am I going to Sweden today? Like I had this inner feeling like you need to go. And I've had these feelings and intuitions prior. And if I don't listen to them, it's been not good like it's been turning out worse than if i knew if i would have listened to it you know we all have that it's called intuition (laughs) (laughs) so my intuition was telling me this day you're going to sweden so i called the embassy right up we have a swedish consulate in new york Mm -hmm. um which is pretty new before we had to print our passports and go all the way to dc to get a new swedish passport yes the trip was annoying Mm -hmm. but now we have a, a swedish consulate in new york so I called them and I'm like, hey, how long is Sweden's borders open for? And she goes, 22 hours. <gasps> you have 22 what? hours to you have 22 hours to collect your shit and go. And I wish you the best of luck. And I was like, wait, so you don't know if I'm gonna be able to enter? She's like, I can't tell you for sure what's gonna happen if you go on a plane or if you don't. And I was like, thank you so much. <laughs> so I go online and I start researching some some uh trips and i was like fuck it i guess i'm just gonna go so in three hours later i was at the airport i flew to amsterdam i ended up hanging out with my friend therese because there was mm-hmm. a nine nine hour layover and so i hung out in in amsterdam for a little bit and and i flew into sweden and i was still paying rent in new york and brooklyn four months later and this is like a thousand dollars per month and then eventually i got an apartment in gothenburg because this is where i ended up finding some work right and that's when i had like a double rent and stuff and as you mentioned prior there's no financial support for dancers so even though i did apply for some type of dancers aid and i was able to get a little bit of money through that the first like few months but that's sweet and not the u.s that was in the u.s though oh it was dancers aid? yeah it was some type of like you can get I think it got what $1,000 in total. And then we also got a check from Trump, the $1,200 check. What was that? There was I, I can't stimulus remember. check. Yeah. Stimulus. But it, was, it wasn't really Trump. He just put his name on it. But yeah. Oh, of course. Of course. Of course. Yeah. He didn't give us any money. Let's be clear about that. It just right. said his name on the check. So right. you're right. We should definitely clarify. These <laughs> things. I was like, he would do something nice like that. Um, but that's dope. But yeah. that, okay, so the U.S. actually did give you something, but still yeah. not anything that would help you in the long run of actually surviving for the next year and a half. Right, right, because it was a long thing. And then at the time, I remember after like 10 days in Sweden, it wasn't that long. It was 10 days or so that I realized that, oh, my God, this is going to be, this is not for just a month. This whole 
uh, pandemic thing is going on and it is not going to be stick around for a month. And some people were still saying that like, and I flew without a mask, you know, this was not, this was before we knew anything. This was before masks and before they closed down all the airports and the borders and everything. So and I was, I was, I feel like I was ahead of it when it comes to realizing that this might be it. So I started to look for ways to move out of my apartment. I had my good friends go there, pack up my shit for a month and go through every single paper that I have ever had in the States for the past seven, eight years, any contract, anything that I felt not sure what that bunch of paper is, but we need to go over it. And she she would read every paper and every contract and and see if it was like visa related, if it was government related through Sweden or, or, or America. It was just a lot to go through. And then there was so many clothes and things that mattered to me that I had to get rid of. Cause I paid, I think it was like eight or $900 to ship two suitcases back with me. What? Yeah. Yeah. Why the hell was it so expensive? Uh, it was some type of like, you know, you will get it within the next like two weeks. And if not, things were at the time was so slow that it could have taken so many months and they could get lost oh, because Lord. everything was shut down. The whole shipping, there was no boats. There was nothing being transporting things anymore. Oh, right. there was this is, no this is again at the beginning when everything shut yeah. down, I keep you, you, you lose reference of what right. happened at that point you're like why is it oh right because everything was yeah. shut down yeah mm. so i decided to just be sure that i would get it because these are as i said the very most important things to me that i still had that i yeah. could yeah crazy yeah so how's so how's your life been back in sweden so far it is very secure. I like the <laughs> of, <laughs> it is very secure. You know, you have the whole, oh, my throat feels a little icky. Let me just go to a doctor for free. Let me just find out if I want to go to college. Yeah, let me go to college. Not even just for free, but also get like funds for going to college. Like these things I'm taking advantage of because I have made it on my own for so many years mm-hmm. without any financial support of the government in the States. Like mm-hmm. I've had bills that have been $3,000 when it comes to hospital bills. I've had, you know, these things are normal for us over there, but over here, it's like unheard of that somebody pays like 30,000 kroners because they went to the hospital real yeah. quick. Yeah. So all these things I'm very, very grateful for. And it just reminds me of what it really gives me hum- a humble piece of pie to just be grateful for what is good in Sweden. And I try to focus on that more so than to focus on the things that I am missing and that I don't have, because I know Mm -hmm. that would make me very sad and miserable as a person, you know, all the gigs I can't do and all the, yeah. But you, so you did start studying. Did I say that right? You did start studying. Yeah. What are are you studying? I'm studying at Kulturverkstan, which is, um, how do you say that? Like a work uh, vocational. Education? Yeah, vocational education. Yeah. So um, to become an international culture culture project leader. So like each, like um, if the government is doing some type of festival, they have a project manager or leader to 
like book bands or move things forward, help with social media, whatever, be in Mm. charge of it. Like the director of the whole production, basically. So that's what I'm studying right now. And we go over financial, uh, like financial aspects of the industry. Um, We talk about the history. We talk about culture in general. Mm -hmm. We, yeah, it's, it's, a lot of different aspects to it. And it was, it's more interesting than I thought it would be when I started. Cause I, I really don't know where it's going to take me and what I will use it for. Mm-hmm. But Sweden is one place where if you don't have it on paper, don't come here. <laughs> you can get a job, right? It's like, it is so hard to prove yeah. that experience matters because experience doesn't matter. And they tell you that off the blank, like, it has been hard for me to get a regular job. And I'm like, oh my God, last few years, I've been in closed auditions, auditioning for Beyonce's tour. Not that I booked it, but I was one of the 40 people in New York to audition for her tour. It's like unfathomable to know that you can't even get a regular job at like a Target. You're like, really right. though? Like what? You know, it feels like a disrespectful thing to go through, but it's humbling at the same time. But it's the, it's also gone up, I've heard, with over 100%. The um, people applying for jobs because of COVID. Because, because of COVID. But that's yeah, the thing. So, so, also all bad at the same time. You know, it was tough for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. But that is but that's a cultural construct here that I don't understand that. Hmm. I say Sweden is so efficient that it's inefficient that... Right having a three-year education uh validates you more and it's like just because you have a just because you went to school doesn't mean you know anything like it's that's why we have internships that's why we have like educations where you have to have hands-on stuff so it is about the experience because you can't graduate without the internship so how are you valuing someone who has a 10 to 20 year career uh work experience and you're saying that 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 oh that's great, but you don't have a paper that said that you actually know what you're doing. Mm. And it's like, well, mm. I'm better mm. than the person who's been studying for three years that only knows academic stuff. But it's also the same thing in the U.S. with going into dance that to get to get in a similar here as well. But uh, getting to work at institutions in their dance departments. Oh, you have to have a bachelor's and a master's of fine arts, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, I've been doing this for how long? How does that I've been on I've been on Broadway for 13 years. How does me not having a degree nullify or negate my experience to be able to teach other people about what they're trying to study? Right. So it is it is very problematic. But at the same time, so this program that you're doing is actually the one that you mentioned before that your friends doing the fashion show that we danced in had done. Mm-hmm. So kind of kind of uh serendipitous that you're back in the program where we danced together for a fashion show. Yeah. Is it yeah. in English? Is it in English or in Swedish? Uh, it's mostly in Swedish, but mm. we also have students who don't speak a lot of Swedish. So sometimes it's in English too. But it but is an international of- project. So kind of yeah. have to be in a language outside of Swedish. Right. I know. I don't know why it is a lot of Swedish. I thought it was going to be more in English, but I also think they want it to be an international program that focuses on the international spectrum of dance or arts as well. Mm. So not just Swedish, but other jobs as well. And when you do your, um, how do you say Lia? Like learning in learning in in a, I was going to say an appliance. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty much your work, your work study, like you, you, you're, you're applying your skills. 
So your work study can also be in different countries. So Mm. relating to the education. Nice. I feel like I want to utilize this education, the knowledge from this education, the paper it will give me Mm. with all my experience as a professional dancer overseas and then see where that takes me and see where that um, creativity can t- take me. And I'm also an artist. Like I used to do some art when I lived back in Sweden. And when mm-hmm. I was moving to New York, I was told there's no such thing as a dancer and artist. So you're going to have to pick one. And I was like, okay. What? Who told you that? You what? Who told you that? My lawyer. He was like, you can't mix the two. There's like a mixture of, cause I had a friend who was model and dancer and her artist visa reflects on both. And so she can work with both. But technically, even if I book a model job, I'm not supposed to do that job. I'm supposed to only stick to dancing. If I have a dancer visa, all, all back to the restrictions, right? Like the, all wow. the restrictions. So I had to let go, but I did sell I, I did apply for this competition and I did sell a few pieces in Brooklyn in an art museum over there. So hey. that was the but I was, I was really scared. I was like, Oh my God, if they take my fucking visa and kick me out of this country, it's not going to be worth it for this art piece. But I, I really just want to go for it. How did, how did you not tell me that you were, you had an art gallery type thing in New York? Well, I kind of don't want to be super open about it at the time because I was like, no, I meant now. I meant now. This is telling people who you are and what you've done. Oh, well, it's in the past, but I I still draw a lot. I do a lot of art and it's been with me since my grandparents are artists and they Mm -hmm. train me to do a lot of different types of arts since I was very little. So that was one of the, my whole artist family, I felt they were supportive of the dancing, but I also had a lot of comments growing up. Like, so when are you going to start doing art? You know, like, when are you going to become an artist? I am. I'm a dance artist. From society. Yeah, I know. But there was so much pressure from society, even before I started dancing, because they just thought, I'll follow my grandfather's steps into artistry. I'll be the same type of artist, right? Mm. Like, they couldn't see outside the box. But you you have a cousin in Mexico? My aunt lives there in the mountains outside of Mexico City, and my cousins grew up there. I also have a cousin who lives in Playa del Carmen, yeah. But the reason why I ask is because there was an article about one of them. Yeah. Uh, didn't, didn't you show me something about your cousin having, like, or didn't you post something about one of your cousins mm-hmm. in Mexico? That's how I know you have a cousin in Mexico, we never talked about right, it. Right, right, right. But uh, so one of my cousins, one of my cousins, he grew up in Mexico but he actually passed away when he was doing a tour in Peru and he got a heart attack. So maybe I have posted about him uh, oh, okay. and his art in that sense. Okay. But another art, that's another art um, aspect of my family, which is really interesting because he would, he is the closest thing that I ever got to having a brother. Mm. When I was four years old, he traveled to Sweden and saw snow for the first time. He was 15 and he saw snow for the very first time. He thought it was so much fun. Like we played forever. He actually built an igloo that was <laughs> the size of, I don't even know what, but I could go through the mouth. 
it was a self-portrait igloo where I could go through the mouth and on the inside that was a bench all the way around with little candles and the two lanterns was the eyes. So he would wake me up in the middle of the night at my grandmother's house, grandfather's house and, and tell me, I, I want to show you something. And he had been up for three days just building this what? igloo. It's, he was such an incredible artist. And, and there was um, an accident that made him, I believe, a little bit disconnected from his mom. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like what I've been explained, I don't know from her f- aspect or his. This is not their words. This is mm-hmm. like family rumors, if yeah. you must. Uh, but I had a cousin who got burnt in at three years old in Mexico because there was so much. It's it's, you know. Mm-hmm. It's not as easy as it is. It's not as safe as it is in Sweden, mm-hmm. in Mexico. So where they grew up, somebody like lit their house on fire and my three-year-old cousin died. And my older cousin was a little bit blamed for why didn't you help her? Why didn't you save her? It was almost mm-hmm. like it was his fault. So he spent a lot of time during summers, both with my grandfather, where I spent a lot of time, and also with, with my family. So he mm-hmm. would spend time with us. And, and all the things they brought from Mexico, I'd always find them so interesting. Like they were so beautiful and like textures and things. Let me find, let me, let me get something. Okay. Like this beautiful head of mini beads. What? Like how beautiful is all these mini, mini beads. And you can see this, this like animals on top of an animal. This used to be at my grandmother's house. So yeah. I love it. So I would see all these things and I would know that there's a whole world out there full Mm. of texture and color. And my grandfather kept giving us money as kids and he would go, this is for your Mexican trip. This Mm. is for when you go to Mexico. So I knew how important that was for, for him and for my family to go to Mexico. Yeah. And I've been there a few times and I just love, love, love the culture. And it makes so much sense. I see my grandparents and my family in a lot of the culture there. Because mm-hmm. I've seen the culture before seeing the country yeah. as a young kid. So right. I got to experience it a little bit, right? And, and and the funny thing is, when I spoke to my cousin, Samantha, she was only speaking Spanish, and I only knew Danish and Swedish. So we would communicate with, like, art and sign languages <sighs> we made up on spot as kids. And we would draw, and we would paint, and we would make, like, things out of, yeah, we would just make so much art together. Hmm. That was a fun way to communicate for us because we had art, but we didn't have the same language at all. I wish we talked more about the artistry in your family throughout this conversation. Oh. Maybe we'll have to do this again to deep to dive deeper into that. Yeah. Wow. Multi-level artist over here. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we're going to keep that. We're going to keep that for next time because we're going to do this again. Yes. But before we go, there's a special sequence that I have for all of my guests. Yep. My last name is Gamble. Um, I bought a roulette table filled with 16 shot glasses. Mm-hmm. Each shot glass represents a question that I would like my guests to answer. Mm. You game? Yeah. Cool. It's nothing incriminating. It's not, well, you already incriminated yourself with fake IDs and shit, but. <laughs> <laughs> So we spin the magic roulette table with the magic roulette ball and we see what number it lands on. Number 33. Have we had 33 yet? Let's see. We'll soon find out. (laughs) 
Well, we did have this, but it was, wasn't really answered. Okay. Roderick had this question. It was like, we already know the answer. So okay. number 33 is an artist or job you would never work with again. Oh, wow. Who were you thinking of? No, 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 no. I did. I did this with Roderick already. Oh, you and, did it with Roderick. Yeah. Okay. Should, should we do this one? Do you want to do this one? Do you have one? Or do you want to do another one? You can do two if you want to. I don't know an artist I wouldn't work with again. Or a job. Doesn't have to be an artist or a yeah. job. Hmm. That's a hard one. No, skip. Okay, skip. Okay, gonna, coming back. Yeah, I'll think about it. If we were together, you'd have to do a shot. But we spin around again. That's 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 the fun of the game. You have to Water. do a shot if you don't answer. Number thirty-two. <laughs> the gamble. Host picks whichever number at random. Ooh. What? Host number thirty-two is the gamble. Whichever. Yeah, I get to pick whichever one. So I'm going to pick. Number 18. Number 18 is. <laughs> Looking at me like I know. Oh, it's the same one. <laughs> this okay, is going so This is going so Third time's People the charm. We're not going to work with. Oh, okay, okay. We'll play. So I think that Madonna oh. was. Uh-huh. No, I'm I'm like you found one. Okay. I'm like, oh, okay, go, 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 go. We'll go for it. I feel like it was meant to be because it came twice. That's how it usually happens. So Madonna, for me, she was a little bit like too important to play. Like we were supposed to shoot this segment for Good Morning America. You worked with Madonna. Yeah, and it was her entire uh at the time, what was her name? I can't remember. She had a private like workout coach Liz I don't know no but she had a private workout coach who choreographed a 30 minute or like an hour segment of just dancing straight through and this was something she did when she was touring like Mm -hmm. a dance workout that she did every day on her tour and she had a bunch of us dancers audition for it and when we made it we had to learn that within like nine hours less eight hour rehearsal but it's a choreography for one hour like (laughs) do you know how much choreo that is you don't even have time to run it three times because you're going to go over it and so it was a lot of choreo to to remember and even though it was easy like fitness stuff it was still like each song had each choreo for the nothing repeated no, not for the new songs and stuff. Wow. And it okay. was supposed to work out different parts of your body. And and this was supposed to be filmed for Good Morning America. And then also a, a small segment of it with Madonna performed live uh, in the park, you know, in mm-hmm. Central Park where they do Good Morning America. Yeah. And I just felt like she felt so important. She didn't want to take pictures with us. We had been working so hard, are they? She just walked in and she just had this like, attitude and and it was just not what i expected and we had like like i said we worked so hard so i was like really that was it like now we shot it and we're super done for and you can't even be more grateful or show a smile like come on girl like don't be that person but for the most part i've worked with really nice artists actually so Mm. that one was kind of tricky it was hard to come up with anyone but I think that she didn't feel, yeah, I don't know. Her energy was weird. Mm. And and I've heard some really bad things about Mariah Carey too. Have you ever been working with her? No, no, no. I haven't worked with her, but I wouldn't want to work with her from everything that I've heard. She's- <laughs> <laughs> it's the, it's yeah. the diva syndrome. 
apparently. It is. And unfortunately, it just gives so much pressure on other females, I think, in yeah. a different way than it gives to men. And it's just not nice. And it's not cute because it's an industry that's already pushing people down so hard. And you're already so hard on yourself that you don't need your production team to also be picking on you constantly, you know? Right. Um, yeah. No. Oh. Well, cool. But nobody did that on me. I'm just saying. I, no, no, I don't no, know no. How to that, but I'm just saying. Like, I, I, I want to work with people who are confident in who they are as artists and and appreciates who work for them because we right. make their vision come alive. We're working for their artistry. So right. I, I always like working with people who are down to earth and who are loving and humble and grateful for everybody's effort. Yeah. That's, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. C- control the energy and the environments that you're in. The, I don't, you don't need to be in a negative space just to make yeah. a dollar. Like, no, we're not going to do that. No, exactly. Cool. So before we go, can people find you online? If they want to find out more about you, do you have an Instagram? I do have an Instagram. Do you? Um, gambles green at gambles green room is the name of the Instagram. <laughs> there so, is one now. Excited. There's always been a Gamble's Green Room as long as the show's been around, but that's not me. That's the show. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I know. (laughs) But I am on Instagram, though. Okay. It's uh, Edenash1. So I D A N A S H and the number one. And I uh, usually finish if I talk to anyone dance related that if mm. I don't know you personally, don't feel, feel, uh, scared to reach out. You know, if people have artist visa questions, which comes up a lot, if people have, if they don't know really where to start in the process of, of moving abroad, or if they are interested in any, you know, dance schools or anything that I have done. And if they're inspired by any kind of way of my path, then feel free to DM me and, and we'll chat about it. And, nice. Uh, That's beautiful. See, anyway. see the non-diva complex. We share, <laughs> we share our experiences. We can share, we can be nice like that. Do you have yeah. a snap crap or TikTok? Um, I don't really use TikTok, so I wouldn't even go on there yeah. and I don't use Snapchat. No. No, I feel like it's too many different outlets. Like Facebook was an older era that dragged me in before Instagram came. And then, so that stuck along with me, but I'm more active on Instagram than on Facebook. And I don't have the others basically. Cool. So we find her at Eda Nash one, I D A N A S H number one on Insta. And as she already asked me, if you're not doing it, make sure you're following gambles green room at at Gamble's Green Room on Instagram. Make sure you also stay tuned to gamblesgreenroom.com where we're going to be releasing some uh, merchandise soon. Yay. Oh yeah, there's some good treats coming up. And of course on the Insta, we give you some behind the mic, behind the scenes footage. We give more detail into who we're talking to and who our guests are. So make sure you follow, tell a friend, share a friend, listen with a friend, make sure you subscribe and listen on your favorite audio digital streaming service. That was a great commercial. I should do this. That more was. Often. I was super <laughs> impressed. I was like, I know you've been doing this. Oh, thank you. That's why, that's why I'm behind the mic. Mike behind the mic. Eat Mike, my girl. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you enjoyed yourself. I did. I hope sharing, you enjoyed it. Sharing too. your story. We got to know each other better on an artistic level that we didn't even know was going to happen before this interview. Right? It wasn't even an interview, it was a chat. We had a little chat. It was a chat. It was a chat. So uh, we'll do it again, as we said, and we'll find out more about your artistry and your family artistry. Yeah, there's a lot. Going into the international 
era of the Nash dynasty. Is Nash your Swedish or Danish side? It is my Danish side. My mm. grandfather's name was originally Danish. And then when he wanted to become a bigger artist, he decided to change his name to Nash. And then he had my father and a bunch of other kids. And then I came. Wait, is Nash just like a made up name off of Danish <laughs> or? No, like he changed his name to an American name to have a better artist name. Oh, so what was, we what are was... not American. What? <laughs> we are Danish. What? What's? Do you know the original last name? Jorgensen. Jorgensen. Ida Jorgensen. No, Ida Nash works better uh, for me. <laughs> <laughs> You're Ida Nash. That's that's like him. That's just I like. Wouldn't, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> All right, baby girl. Yeah. Thank you so much. I'm for grateful. Today. I'm grateful for the artist's name because I became an artist and it was helpful for my name to to be a little bit more artistic than Jurgensen. So I'm happy yeah, a lot easier to say as well. Jurgensen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're not doing that frog language right now. <laughs> At least I'm not the only one that thinks that. Yeah. No. All right. We'll do it again. I'll see you soon. Let's Take wine and, let, and then we're going to wine and dine shortly. Don't forget that. We have a wine and dine hang date. Can't wait. Yes. All right, baby. Love you. Take care. Bye. Bye.